Welcome to Superior Central Library's podcast, your place for stories, poetry, messages from your teacher, and announcements from your library. Stolen Treasure at Pictured Rocks by Mary Morgan. Chapter 24. It's gone, Dad. Ben couldn't believe his eyes. It was right here. You saw the pictures. Yes, we did. Do you think someone was watching us and moved it before we came back? Eli asked. Ben had another idea. Do you think they plan to strike again tonight? They just might. Dad said in a tone that reassured the kids he believed their story. We'll have to keep an eye out for them tonight while we are fishing. They have to return sometime. Becca beamed when she heard her father say, Your camera sure came in handy today. The pictures may help identify the canoe should we need to. Noticing the sun was getting closer to the horizon, Mr. Hartley said, Since we can't do anything more here, let's go fishing and catch some of that trout Lake Superior is famous for. Yeah, sounded three excited voices. Steering clear of muddy spots, Becca led her way back to the campsite. She went straight for her camera, strapped it around her neck, and went out to get her fishing pole. She liked to fish. She just didn't want to touch a creepy crawly worm. Becca's a sissy, taunted Ben as he and Eli passed her on the trail to the lake. I am not. I just don't like worms. I bet I can catch more fish than you can. She challenged as she ran past the boys. Oh yeah, how much you want to bet? Ben challenged her back. One week's allowance, she said, walking backwards, putting her chin in the air. You're on. Bringing down the boats, Dad said, Ben, you're in the boat with Eli and his dad. Becca, you're here with us. Mom handed out life jackets. They divided the worms and soon were rowing out into the lake. This is a perfect night for fishing. The lake is calm and the sun still has a couple hours before setting, said Mr. Hartley, looking west across Lake Superior. Without teasing her, Dad put Becca's worm on her hook and she cast the line into the water. Ben and Eli dug right into their worm container, looking for nice fat ones. They pushed them on the hooks like they were old pros and cast their line way out into the lake. Then they waited for a fish to take their bite. A family of ducks swam by and then a family of loons. Every once in a while, a loon dove into the water and came up with a fish. I think we'll row over there since they seem to be getting fish, Mr. Hartley said, putting his oars into the water. Dad did the same and much to their amazement, soon their fish were filling their buckets. Wanting to win this bet, Becca kept quiet about how many fish she caught even though Ben called out each and every time he dropped one into the bucket. She tried to stay one fish ahead of him. Counting the number of fish in their bucket, Dad realized they caught their legal limit and declared they were done for the day. I won! I won! Becca all but shouted. I've got five and you got four, Ben. Did she really get five? He asked, not wanting to believe he had lost his sister. I'm afraid so replied their mother. I won fair and square, taunted Becca. You can give me your five dollars at any time. Did she cheat? Nope, she won fair and square, 
And now we get to clean these beauties, Dad said, holding up a string of lake trout. Eli, you ever clean a fish? No. Well, you're about to learn. We'll come back for the boats when we're done cleaning the trout. They rowed back to the beach and pulled the boats up onto shore. The three young fishermen posed for a picture with their strings of fish. It was a proud day for Becca. The sun was setting as they finished cleaning the last fish on the Hartley's picnic table. Ben and Eli tried their hand at cutting off the heads and tails and let their dad slice them into thin fillets. Not wanting to appear to be a sissy, Becca offered to wrap the fish in foil when they were done. The roll of foil was still on the picnic table from dinner, so she ran to get it. As she picked up the box, a piece of paper fell to the ground. Bending over to pick it up, she knew it had said something, but in the dim light, she couldn't read it. Who would have left a note for them? Getting a flashlight, she looked at it and froze. Another morning. We know who you are. Mind your own business or else. She screamed her famous scream. It broke the quietness of the campground. Forgetting about the foil, she ran over to the Hartley's campsite with the note. What happened? asked Mom, looking back at their camper to see what had frightened their daughter. She showed her note the she showed her mother the note, who read it out loud. Ben, Becca, and Eli looked at each other. The men must know they had found the canoe. A creepy, scary feeling went down their spines. They were dealing with serious adults capable of doing them harm. Now what? Mom asked, upset because they were being watched by criminals. I'm not sure, Dad replied. But this means another trip to the ranger station tomorrow. He wanted us to let him know if something else happened. Chapter 25 In all their excitement, everyone forgot the rowboats until after dark. Ben, Becca, and Eli trudged to the beach with their fathers to load them into Mr. Hartley's truck. The men carried the boats while the boys followed with oars. Becca guided them with a flashlight. Just for fun, Ben and Eli tried lifting one end of the boat. They couldn't budge it. This is heavier than it looks, Eli said. They were amazed at their father's strength. Bending down, they picked up the wet and sandy oars, loaded them in the truck bed. My hands are all gritty from the sand, Eli said. Can we go wash them in the lake while you tie down the boats? Sure, Mr. Hartley said, tightening a knot. Offering to lead with her flashlight, Becca and the boys dashed to rinse their hands in lake water. The moon cast a bright white beam across Lake Superior. It was something none of the kids had ever seen before. Becca shut off her light and they stood there for a few minutes in the dark. Wiping wet hands on their pants, the threesome turned to go back to the trail but froze in their tracks. A canoe came out of nowhere, gliding silently across the lake. With just the moonlight guiding their way, the canoe passed where the kids stood. Becca touched her brother's arm, and immediately he put his hand over her mouth. Shh, whispered Ben. They don't know we're here. Let's see what they do. Crouching down on their heels, the three of them could have looked like big boulders had someone been able to see them. Canoe paddles silently moved in and out of the water and stopped a short distance from them. Eli touched Ben's arm and pointed up the shoreline. 
Someone farther up the beach was flashing a light toward the canoe. Then came a splash as someone dove into the water. Becca had an overwhelming desire to scream, so she put her own hand over her mouth. Within a minute, they heard something that sounded like metal hitting the bottom of the canoe, and then they heard another splash. In almost no time, they heard the sound of more metal being put into the canoe. Not knowing they were being watched, the men talked about the objects they were hauling out of the water. They're stealing parts of the shipwrecks, Eli said. What should we do? asked Ben. What can we do? asked his friend back. If we yell at them, they'll know we're here, and they might do something to us while we're sleeping, added Becca. Remember the note? They know who we are. Now she was really scared. Somehow we have to set a trap to catch them with the stolen stuff. Besides, Mom will insist we go home if she thinks they will do something to us, Ben said. His mind swirled with many thoughts. They had to think fast. What kind of trap could be set? asked Eli. Give me a minute to think. What do we have that we could use on them? Ben answered back. I have an idea, Becca said. But we have to sneak back up the beach and set the trap. She quietly explained her idea, and together they worked out a plan. We're going to have to stay in the shadows. Don't make a sound, or that guy on the beach will know it's us, Ben warned. Slowly, very slowly, they made their way over the rocks and the sandy areas until they reached the path to the campsite. They knew if they told their parents what was happening, they wouldn't be able to leave the campsite to set the trap, so they would have to act like nothing happened. Chapter 26 Mr. and Mrs. Cooper were enjoying the campfire when the three walked up to the campsite. Mr. Hartley was reading a book in his tent. Hi there. Want to make us some more? Asked Mom. Uh, no thanks. Not right now, Ben said. We want to take a little walk. It's fun walking in the moonlight, but we'll take a flashlight with us. He went into the camper and got one as well as a knife. Don't go too far, Dad said. It's getting a little late. We'll be careful. Becca said, grabbing her secret weapon, which neither parent noticed. They walked in the opposite direction of the lake and disappeared from sight. They knew where they had to go, and they only had a short time to work their plan. The moonlight replaced the flashlight. If someone heard a noise, they might think it was just a raccoon or a deer. But if they saw a flashlight, they might come to investigate. Do you really think this will work? Eli asked a few minutes later tying a knot as tightly as he could. His heart beat wildly. This was the most dangerous thing he had ever done. It worked once. It should this time, too, Becca said with confidence. She bent down to check that the knot was tight enough. She helped Eli get everything in the right position and then walked over by her brother. Let's get out of here. As they arrived at their campsites, Beth's dad was pulling another log on the fire. Mr. Hartley had joined them for a late-night snack. Hi there. We were beginning to wonder if we should send out a search party, Mom said. The three of them looked at each other, smiling in the dark. Had it been daytime, Mom would have seen the guilty looks on their faces and asked a zillion questions. Want us some more? Dad asked. If so, you better hurry. The marshmallows are going fast. Please say no, 
Eli's dad said, teasing them. He pulled two golden marshmallows off his skewer. No way, Eli said. Back away from the marshmallows and no one will get hurt. All three kids took skewers and slid marshmallows onto them. They were bursting inside, wanting to tell what they had just done, but they didn't. Soon the crooks would be walking right into their trap. All three had a hard time going to sleep. Their minds kept imagining what might be happening outside. Would the crooks come looking for them, or would they leave in the night? First thing in the morning, they would check their trap. Chapter 27. Eli was the first to wake the next morning. Crawling into his jeans, he asked himself many questions. What if the crooks didn't set off the trap? What if the canoe wasn't theirs? Who was it? Why would they steal so many things from the shipwrecks? Were they dangerous people? He finished dressing. Butterflies filled his stomach. He would go over and see if Ben and Becca were awake. How could they sleep at a time like this? Eli, what are you doing? His father asked, rousing from his sleep and looking at his watch. It's only 7.30. Nobody's awake. Did you hear anyone outside anywhere? I just can't sleep. I thought I would go see if Ben or Becca are awake. Maybe we can take a walk or play on the monkey bars, he reasoned with his father. How about reading a book? Dad, it's summer vacation. Oh yeah, I forgot, Dad said with a half grin. If you go over to their campsite, listen first. If you don't hear voices, come back. Okay, he said, unzipping the flap of their tent and looking around. You know, Dad, tents aren't really very safe, are they? I think we should get a camper. Our tent is fine. If we don't bother anyone, they won't bother us. Good, Eli said as he stepped outside. It was a little chilly, so he was glad he chose his jeans and a sweatshirt. Over in the camper, Ben was also awake. His mind raced with thoughts of what happened since they left Lansing. Meeting Eli and his father was fun. It gave them someone new to do things with, and who knew? Maybe they could see Eli when they returned home. Rolling over in his sleeping bag, he thought he heard a ping, and then he heard it again. Was it chipmunks dropping acorns on their camper? No, the sound wasn't coming from the roof. Something was hitting the end of the camper. He moved the curtain aside to see what animal was out there and saw Eli. He couldn't believe he was already dressed. What is he doing out there so early? Is he as excited as I am? Ben got really close to the window and mouthed something Eli couldn't understand. But at least Eli knew he was awake. Eli motioned for Ben to come outside. Ben grabbed for his jeans and a jacket and quickly unlocked the door and stepped outside. Why are you up so early? Ben asked, rubbing his eyes in the early morning sunlight. I'm so excited. I just can't sleep. I want to look at our trap right now. We can't go without Becca. She'd be mad at us. Yeah, I know. Do you think you could go in and make some noise to wake her up? No, but we could throw some of these little pine cones at her window and see if she wakes up. Besides... I'm hungry. Me too, said Eli, rubbing his stomach. They were too excited last night to eat more than once some more, and now their stomachs were empty. Ben, what are you and Eli doing out there? Dad whispered from the doorway. Oh, we're just talking. We're hungry. What's good for breakfast? 
cereal. We want to go to the log slide and do another nature hike for your junior ranger books, so we'll do an easy breakfast. Can we get our own food if we're quiet? Ben asked. His father's voice woke up Becca. She came and stood beside her dad, wondering who he was talking to. She hadn't heard Ben get up. Hey, what are you guys doing? She asked. Nothing, just talking, her brother answered back. I'm coming too, she said, hustling to get on her clothes. She didn't want them sneaking off without her. Well, if everyone is awake, we might as well get an early start to our day, Dad declared. I'll hand you out the cereal and milk and you guys can eat. I'll go get my cereal, Eli said. We have granola. That sounds good. Can I have some too? Sure. The boys each devoured a heaping bowl of cereal, and by the time Becca appeared, they were about to fill their bowls again. Hey, save me some, she begged. Sorry, too late, Ben teased. He made it look like the box was empty. Not fair, she whined. Just kidding, her brother said, handing her the box. When do you think we should go to the you-know-where, Eli said, lowering his voice and leaning towards Ben. After we finish eating, our parents haven't eaten, so maybe we could have time before we leave, Becca replied. They couldn't act too suspicious, but they needed time to check the trap. All three finished eating and cleared the table. They didn't want their parents calling them back. Can we take a walk while you guys eat? Ben asked his parents, opening the camper door. Are you done already? Mom asked. She looked at the clock and said, Okay, you can go, but we're going to the log slide shortly, so don't be gone too long. We won't, Becca said. She and Ben took off for the Hartley's tent to see if Eli could go too. He was rolling up the sleeping bag when they arrived. He flopped over the top of the roll, trying to grab the strings. He wished he had octopus arms sometimes. Can you go? Ben asked Eli through the tent opening. Yeah, when I get my sleeping bag rolled up. Can we help? Asked Becca. She was anxious to get going. I'm almost done. Trying to tie these strings, Eli replied, yanking on short string to make it longer. After another time, try at it, he got it tied together and rolled it into a corner out of the way. Tents never had enough room for people to walk in. Stepping outside, the three looked around for any strangers. Not seeing anyone, they took off for Hurricane River, wondering if the canoe would be back under the bushes and if treasures might be hidden under it. What do we do if the men see us snooping around? Eli asked. We'll just say we're looking for a good place to kayak and keep walking by the river. If they chase us, just run back towards the campground. Don't admit you know anything, Ben said, sounding brave. They followed the path they had covered the last couple days, this time watching for a camouflage canoe lying anywhere. They also looked for the metal ring they'd seen yesterday on the riverbed, but it was gone. I bet they came back and got it, Becca said. Wow, Eli said. If they get caught, they're going to be in so much trouble. As they got closer to the trap, they walked faster. Their curiosity was getting the better of them. It worked, Becca exclaimed when they reached where they had set up their trap. It worked. They fell for our trap. She jumped up and down and talked so loudly, Ben thought she could be heard a mile away. Shh, someone will hear you and come over to see what's going on, her brother scolded. But they fell for it. They fell for it, she said over and over. Now what? 
asked Eli. I'm not sure, but they are the guilty ones, Ben declared. Let's go back and tell our parents that we need to see the ranger before any treasure is stolen or the bad guys get away. Chapter 28 What's wrong with you two? Dad asked Ben and Becca when they reached the campsite. You're acting like you have ants in your pants. They just couldn't hold in their secret much longer. They had so much to tell the ranger. All six of them piled into the Cooper's car after making bologna and cheese sandwiches for a picnic lunch. The plan was to go to the ranger station to show them the latest note and then go to the log slide. As they drove, Mom told again how the loggers used sand dunes to slide giant pine trees down the log slide to take to the lake below. She wanted the kids to know what they would see and also remind them of the danger in leaning too far over the 300-foot dune. Becca brought along the prints of her pictures to look at and then decided which ones to give Eli to keep. Ten minutes later, they turned into the parking lot. They hoped Ranger Greg would be there. Dad had the note the crooks left under the roll of foil. He wanted to prove something bad was going on and that possibly they were in danger. Getting back of the out of the car, Ben lost his balance and almost stumbled headlong into the pavement. Mom let out a little scream, making Ben roll his eyes. He didn't like attention like that. Plus, his nose hurt from the last fall. Ranger Greg was outside giving directions to new campers, so they waited for him to finish talking. He waved as the campers drove away and smiled as everyone walked up to him. Ranger Greg, Dad began, we had another incident last night. Apparently, something criminal is going on, and we are in the middle of it. While we were out fishing, this note was left at our campsite. We don't know what caused it, but this is a warning. Ben, Becca, and Eli looked at each other. They knew why the thieves threatened them. The ranger took the note and read it, puzzled. It's funny, but no one else has reported anything going on. It's odd only you are getting these notes. Becca got the feeling he didn't believe them. Looking across the parking lot, she began to yell, There they are! There they are! Her scream pierced everyone's eardrums. She pointed to a pickup truck with a camouflage canoe in the back end. That's them! Ben and Eli said together. Who? Where? How do you know? Ranger Greg asked anxiously. Becca was practically jumping up and down, pointing down the road. It's the camouflage canoe. You have to stop them. We have proof. Stop. Stop them. The ranger looked down the road and back at the Coopers and Hartleys, trying to decide what to do. The truck was headed towards a park's exit. Please, please stop them, Becca begged. They're the bad guys. Are you sure? asked Ranger Greg, looking them straight in the eyes. Yes, the three said together. We have pictures. Let me see, he demanded, reaching for them. Looking through the pictures quickly, he realized they were telling the truth. By then, the truck was getting away. Ranger Greg took out his cell phone and called to the ranger at that exit gate. Apprehend and detain the pickup with the camouflage canoe on it. Do not allow them to leave. They may have stolen artifacts. I have a carload of people who say they have proof. Proof? Mr. Hartley turned and asked the kids. What proof do we have that they are the ones we saw in the dark? Trust us, Dad, Eli said. 
Let's go and catch them before they get away. You follow me, Ranger Bragg instructed, running toward his official truck. When we get there, don't say a word. Let me ask the questions. They followed closely behind the ranger's vehicle in the Cooper's car. The parents still weren't sure what proof the kids had, but they decided to wait and see what happened. No one should get away with stealing treasures from shipwrecks. They could tell the ranger was on his phone again. Then he hung up and sped towards the exit. Mr. Cooper drove faster, too. Wow, we're really speeding, Becca said, noticing they were going faster than they ever had. Hang on, Dad warned. This is as close to a police chase as we ever want to be. Mom was about to pass out. Chapter 29 Within minutes, they were almost to the exit of the park. The exit gate was down and a ranger stood right in front of the pickup, preventing it from leaving. The two men sat in the truck with angry looks on their faces. Ranger Greg jumped out of the car and hurried over. The Coopers and the Hartleys kept a safe distance back in case something dangerous happened. Please step out of your truck, Ranger Greg said, looking sternly at the men. Why? asked the driver, opening the door. We have a few questions to ask you. About what? Looking inside the truck, Ranger Greg told the passenger to step out of the vehicle, too. He got out and went around to the front of the truck, acting nervous. His right knee couldn't stop moving back and forth. Looking directly at the two men, Ranger Greg said, These people said they saw you stealing artifacts from the lake three nights ago. You also left them threatening messages several times. It's a lie. We did nothing like that, the driver said, getting angry. His friend fidgeted even more. The ranger continued, Where did you stay? Which campground? And don't lie. We have records with your license plate on it. Hurricane River Campground, the driver said. But we didn't do anything wrong. We just went canoeing in the lake by the campground and up the Hurricane River. That's not true, Becca said, surprising her parents. How do you know that, young lady? Ranger Greg asked, turning in her direction. We have pictures of them way down at the lighthouse. And besides, the Hurricane River is too shallow to canoe in. Only kayaks can use it. Well, maybe we got lost, the driver said. Where did you keep your canoe? Right by our tent, the driver insisted. That's not true, Ben blurted out. We have pictures. The men did a double take at him. What did you do at night? Nothing. It's too dark to canoe at night, he replied. That's not true, Becca sputtered. Okay, that's enough, the ranger said sternly. He had to get to the bottom of these accusations. Turning to Ben, Becca, Eli, and their parents, he said, Start from the beginning and tell me what you saw and heard. Dad began with the tour boat ride, seeing the men on the boat and then recognizing them in the pictures taken at the lighthouse. We can't be sure who it was, he continued, but we know someone was diving from a canoe after dark and we surprised them on the beach. See, you can't prove anything, the passenger stated. Why did you hide your canoe? Ranger Craig asked. Hide it? Why would we hide it? The driver asked. You tell us, the ranger said, holding up one of Becca's prints. 
We have a picture here of your canoe hidden under bushes by the river. Oh, well, he stammered. But it doesn't prove we were stealing things out of the water. We have proof, Ben stated. What? the adults asked together. Much to their parents and the ranger's shock, the kids described how they went back to the lake to wash their hands and saw the canoe come from the direction of the river. They'd heard the sounds of metal objects being put into the canoe, and the more the adults heard of their adventures, the more amazed they became. Ben bragged on his sister when he explained Becca's plan to trap the thieves. Now their parents became alarmed at how close their children had been to danger. Ben continued, Becca came up with the idea to use fishing lines stretched back and forth across the river three times and tied around trees. It was dark so they couldn't see it and low enough so they would trip them when they walked up the river to hide their canoe in the bushes. How did you do that without getting wet? Mom asked. We rolled up our pants and walked across without getting wet. Yesterday we saw a metal ring in the water. We left it there, but this morning it was gone. You're just making it up. Kids aren't smart enough to do all that stuff. Oh, yeah? Eli fired back. There's proof, Becca said again. What proof? The pickup driver asked sarcastically. Roll up your pant legs and you'll prove it yourselves, Ben jumped in. I'm not rolling up my pants for any stinking kids. He was one stubborn dude. Believing the kid's story, Ranger Greg demanded, Just do it. Both men bent over and slowly rolled up their pant legs six inches. Much to the shock of everyone but the kids, on the legs of the two crooks were red lines, stripes going straight across. Mom put her hands to her mouth and gasped. They walked right into our trap, Ben gloated. How did you kids know to do this? asked the ranger. Well, it worked when they did it to us, Ben said as he and Eli rolled up their jeans displaying their red lines. Mom let out another gasp. The two dads were ready to jump into action when they heard their kids had been victims of a trap. I thought you got those scratches crawling on the grass at the lighthouse, Mom said, raising an eyebrow. Yeah, well, you'd have made us go home if you knew how it really happened, Becca said, sounding guilty. Eli's father was equally frightened for his son's safety. Do you realize you might have been harmed if these guys caught you doing this? Yeah, but we didn't want to go home early, Eli answered. Someone had to stop them from stealing anything more from the ships. I think a search of this truck is in order, Ranger Craig announced. Turning to his partner, he instructed him to remove everything, and he meant everything, out of the vehicle. It's just our camping gear, food, and clothes, stated the driver. Look all you want. The ranger looked through the duffel bags and cooler, even unrolling the sleeping bags and tent to see if anything was hidden in them. Coming up empty-handed, the ranger shrugged his shoulders. The kids almost panicked, thinking they might have accused the wrong people. Is there anything hiding under the canoe up there? Ben asked, pointing it to the front end of the canoe. Ranger Greg climbed into the back bumper, but couldn't see anything. Eli stared at the back of the truck and then spotted something. Hey, that's not where a spare tire usually goes, 
he said, thinking it was odd a tire was loose in the back of the truck. The ranger answered, No, it's not. He bent down and looked under the back of the truck where a tire was usually kept. Stretching to look a little closer, he exclaimed, Well, look what we have here. A metal box attached to the bottom of the truck. Clever. Very clever. I do believe we have evidence for a case of maritime artifact theft. Yes, Ben said, pumping his fist in the air. Just then, a car came rumbling down the road toward the gate. When the driver saw the commotion at the gate, he slowed and then sped away. <gasps> Dad, Ben exclaimed. That's the guy I saw through my binoculars, sending the Symaphore signals. He's their partner, Tom, and he's getting away. Ranger Greg opened his cell phone, dialed 911, gave a clear description of the car, and shut his phone. He won't get far. The police will pick him up. I think we have an open and shut case on this one. Thanks to three young junior rangers, we can retrieve the stolen property and bring these men to justice. Chapter 30 Mr. and Mrs. Cooper and Mr. Hartley didn't know whether to scold or hug their children when Ranger Greg and his supervisors were done questioning them. The ranger kept Becca's picture as evidence against the men. When mom calmed down, she didn't know, she told them she didn't want any more excitement, or they were going home early. This time, though, they knew she was only kidding. What could top this adventure? The park ranger supervisor walked them to their car, inviting them to lunch on Friday. He told Ben, Becca, and Eli to bring their junior ranger books if they were done with the assignments. Now, you better go. I'd like to have your picture taken with me beside the pictured Rocks National Shoreline sign. It's going to be on display for everyone to see. For the rest of the afternoon, they trekked to and around the log slide, seeing for themselves what amazing work was done by loggers using carts with 12-foot-high wheels. Fortunately, no one fell over the edge or acquired a helicopter rescue by the Coast Guard. Becca smiled to herself, knowing Mom would not have handled it well. That evening, over a bowl of hot, buttery popcorn, the three kids worked on their books, filling in the answers and discovering the D word was diversity. They hadn't indeed and learned a lot about pictured rocks, animal habitats, birds, logging, and what it takes to persevere, preserve its special artifacts. Much to their surprise, they were the guests of honor at the lunch on Friday. Becca's pictures were on display and their heroic story was told. Newspaper reporters snapped their pictures, making them the headline story, even in the Lansing State Journal. Ranger Greg looked through their junior ranger books, stamped them, and awarded them a special patch. The supervisor shook their hands and thanked them for their bravery and gave each one a Petoskey stone cut in the shape of a mitten, which, as everyone knows, looks like the Lower Peninsula of Michigan. The end. I hope you have enjoyed listening to Stolen Treasures at Picture Rocks by Mary Morgan, part of the National Park Mystery Series. If you've enjoyed this book, feel free to visit the website nationalparkmysteries.com and look at the other books in this series. 
Mary Morgan also has a spot on the website where you can have books personalized and autographed. Um, this book is actually autographed to my kids, um, and we picked it up at a craft fair, I believe. Do you hear my parakeet? She is up and at him this morning. Tomorrow on the podcast, Mary Morgan is answering some of your questions um, that you have been sending me about um, her writing and national parks, and it's going to be a really good time. So be sure to listen into tomorrow. And later in the week, we will be starting the book Flower Antha by Beck Castro. Have a great day, guys.